right, we are back. It's finally time for some postseason football in Montana. Well, I should say it's finally time again for the Grizz to play postseason football in Montana, shouldn't I? I got Bear Tycoon with me. Yeah. December what were you, football for the first time in a long time for both Quite teams. a while. Well, no. Actually, Montana State played it uh, last year. But not, not in Bozeman. Not the de- not in December, right? Wasn't the first game True. in November? Yeah, I, I would assume so. I would assume it was right around. Because Thanksgiving was late this year. Yes, Thanksgiving was true. late this year. But, you yeah. know, I was doing a little bit of research earlier, and uh, mm-hmm. the last time Montana played in the NCAA Division One FCS football playoffs, 2015. Yep, Barack Obama, still president. Do you know what the number one song was the last time Montana won a playoff game? Uh, YMCA. No, that's that's dating yourself a little bit there. That would have been quite a while too ago. Far, it was actually, too yeah, way too, way too far back. Uh, it was actually Hello by Adele. Oh, that's a great song. So it was, actually, it was actually the number one song that year for seven weeks to close out the year from November 14th all the way through uh, December 26th. And then the per, uh, the weekend held the top spot for about six weeks before that. Yeah, blast, blast from the past. Yeah. The weekend is actually very weird. Uh, the weekend had a Can't Feel My Face, and it was number one song for a week, then lost it for two weeks, then got it back for a week, then lost it for a week, then got it back for a week. Very wow. weird. Not a lot Good of staying power. Mate. Not a lot of staying power, but uh, Can I Feel My Face did uh, earn four, four weeks. They just were not consecutive. Got it. Very informative. So, yeah, Adele, hello, was the last time the Grizz uh, won a playoff game. It's been a while. It's been, you know, uh, since November 28th of 2015, they knocked off South Dakota State 24-17. to Yep, and then ran into those pesky bison in North Dakota State. We yes. Know we had beat them earlier in the year. The number three seed in those playoffs, Montana, yep, on December 5th of 2015, ran into those Bison, 37-6 to loss uh, in Fargo. Uh, coincidentally, that was the year that Portland State was actually good. Yeah. Portland State yep. actually had the number six seed in the 2015 playoffs, Jesus. which is crazy <laughs> to me. And that was also the year that Southern Utah made the playoffs. They lost to Sam Houston State in the first round that year, 42-39. to uh, so kind of a blast from the past on those two schools that we really haven't heard from much since 2015, much like the Grizzlies. And now the Grizzlies are back. Really, Portland State and Southern really minimizes both of our team's accomplishments when you realize that Portland State had a number six seed just a few years ago. It is pretty crazy. And it got their coach a massive contract extension, uh, and they haven't really done much since. Yep. But, yeah, this weekend, Montana will be hosting – Southeast Louisiana. Yeah, I'm Did I say worried. that right? Did I say that right? I think so. We're going to say, yeah, South, South, Southeastern Louisiana. Southeastern, so CeeLo. Yes. Um, and pretty, you know, CeeLo. these guys, CeeLo. CeeLo. Oh, La, if you're doing, yeah. If you're going like Louisiana, the postal abbreviation. Yeah. But it's C- CeeLo. If you're going southeastern Louisiana University, uh huh, yeah. So either Cielo. way, either way, these guys had a uh, big win over Villanova uh, in the first round. One point win, high scoring game, forty five. Controversial. 
controversial win yeah. over Villanova. Did you watch that? I did. I saw the highlights from the pass interference. Uh, it was an offensive pass interference, right? Yeah. Terrible. On what would have won the game for Villanova. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would have given them a touchdown lead or basically a touchdown lead with a minute 30 to go. So basically that would have won them the game. Yeah. But I mean, it was I mean, horrible call. You can't it call it in that really situation. Bad call. Really and, bad call. And it stole it stole the revenge game for Montana getting to play Villanova, who beat them in the what the 2012? 10? 2009. Nine. 2009 uh, championship. championship game. Yeah, because Villanova during the broadcast they showed that Villanova had the ten year anniversary this year. Oh, congratulations, Villanova. Yeah. Quite the accomplishment. I was really hoping congratulations, for Villanova. Villanova. I know I don't know a single person that went to southeastern Louisiana. Not a single person. But being I went to college at a Big East school, Seton Hall, uh, know lots of folks who went to Villanova, and it would have been nice to kind of have this to hold over. Where did head. you um, where did you watch that championship game? Like were you with some Villanova friends? Two thousand nine? Yeah. Um I watched it at a bar with a bunch of Grizz fans. Oh, in, in on the East Coast? Yeah, in DC. Okay. I really yeah, can't remember where was... I watched that one at. I was definitely going for Villanova though, that's for sure. I'm not one of those guys <laughs> no, that's gonna be going no for the no shit. <laughs> that is that is the type of guy you are, Nate. Oh yeah. Um, I'm, I'm Montana State till I die. But yeah, so that would have been a pretty yeah, cool I mean, rematch, a... I think. Uh something that Grizz fans would have loved to have at home. Uh Bobby was the coach. Uh, during that championship game as well. Yep. So we, they, they, I mean, the refs C-Lu, robbed us of that. Yeah, Silu uh, can put up a lot of points, and that kind of scares me about this game. Uh, obviously, with the 45 they put up this week, but if you just look up and down their schedule, they're scoring 40 points a lot this year. Um, and in terms of points per game, only you know 45 in the country. They average uh, almost 26 a game, but rushing yards, like they were just rushing it down Villanova's throat. These are a big team. I think I heard Hauk say in his press conference that they have 12 FBS drop down players on their roster, um, including one guy from Alabama, which just the fact that they're someone who recruited by Alabama on that roster is, is that terrifying, but big guys that can run the ball like crazy uh, have a little trouble passing the ball which kind of reminds me of the Bobcats, which makes me scared about how this game is going to turn out. Well, if I'm a Grizz fan, I'm not too worried about this game. I can't tell if you're trying to do the reverse jinx or anything like that. Um, Silu, Sila is coming over from Louisiana. It's a tough. It's going to be a tough, uh, tough trip up to Washington Grizzlies. This is only their third playoff appearance uh, here in 2019. Uh, they made the playoffs in 2013 and in 2014. Um, then had to wait quite a while, kind of like the Grizz did, to get uh, to get this next crack at the to get that next crack in the playoffs. And I'm just really not scared. I can't be scared of a team that, when you look at their logo, it's exactly like the Skechers S. Yeah, it is, Have you, it is unbelievable. Yeah, I was thinking that during the game. Um, I know it's it's maybe one of the worst logos. It's so cartoonish. Yeah, I, almost as bad as the new Dallas Mavericks uniforms. Those are kind of tied to the kind of the graffiti. 
There might be a fresh yeah. Prince of Bel Air, but that's beside the point. This S is horrible. You can't trust a team or be scared of a team that has that on their helmets. I think uh, Grizz are favored right now by 11 and a half, 11 points uh, yeah. in Washington. So there, there's a lot of things going in in the Grizz favor. One, um, you know, they are favored. They are ranked significantly higher than these guys in the Sagarin ratings. Uh, the Grizz currently sit at 92. These guys sit at 133. Um, so a 42 I do that right. 41 point difference, um, which is significant. Have a home field advantage, Washington Grizzly stadium. The weather is going to be cold, but not snowing. Um, so, you know, that should favor the Grizz. Uh, I, I mean, I think the Grizz are, if you look at their schedule and what they were able to do this year, they beat much tougher opponents, but Silu is not a, uh, a pushover where they rank in the Sagarin ratings is right between Eastern Washington and UC Davis. And so, you know, all things being equal, they'd be a, you know, upper tier, but not top tier big sky conference team. Um, That's if, but that, I don't know about that considering who they got to play all season long. Well, yeah. So conference. they did play <laughs> looking at who they, I, so I went through both, uh, uh, Southeastern Louisiana and Albany and both the cats and the Grizz. We can go through all of them, but I looked at all their wins, all these guys wins and losses and what the average Sagarin rating was for, uh, yeah, the teams that they beat and the teams that they lost to. So Sela had, uh, what was, what is their record currently? They're eight and four, eight and four. So their eight wins. The average Sagarin rating was 185. Ooh, that's that's the worst of the ones we're going to talk about. Their win, I'm sorry that that was their wins. Their losses um, came against teams with an average of 167. It's not good either. So not good. This is by far. I mean, and this is not counting FBS games. They lost to Ole Miss partway through the year. Um, but this is by far the Grizz are by far uh, the highest rated team that they're playing at 92. Um, no one else before the playoffs was ranked ahead of uh, better than 140. And that's kind of getting in the, the North Dakota range um, yeah. in terms of big sky conference teams. So they haven't really been tested. Villanova was the best team that they've played to date. It was a close game. Um, but I do think that teams that match up well against the Grizz are, you know, I think we've seen it with Sacramento state and the Bobcats is you can run the ball uh, you have big dudes up front on the offensive line. Uh, and in the case of at least the uh, uh, Hornets is you have a, a quarterback who is an actual threat to throw, but also has some mobility. And that's what we have in, in Silu. They have uh, a big, big quarterback who can launch the ball down the field. I, He's actually going to watch that game. He, their passing game is pretty impressive, despite the fact that their numbers aren't, uh, you know what? Nationally. But the thing about like, oh, their numbers are good nationally though. They're the number. They're, f- no, they're the number five. Uh, they're the number two passing team in the country. Oh, I was looking. Oh, you were right. Hats off to you, Nate. I was looking at their defensive passing yards. Yeah, they are. Yeah, that's crushing. yeah. Their defensive good. passing yards not good. Because offensive the, passing yards, yeah. All right. The right, only problem. Because only watching problem. That game, yeah. Watching that game. Um, they sure seem like one of the best passing teams I've seen in the FCS this year. The one problem is that they have a quarterback named Chasson Virgil. 
Yeah. And I cannot trust a quarterback named Chasson or Chasen. I don't know how he even says it. So I think the Grizz have that going for them from my view is that uh, with a quarterback named Chasson Virgil, the chances of him being good are not, not great. He put up almost 500 yards in the air uh, against Villanova. 474, yeah. three touchdowns, one interception. I mean, he had quite the year. And now that I'm looking at it, uh, there was a website called NFLDraftDiamonds.com on June 13th of this year. They did have him as a someone to watch uh, as the best senior FCS quarterback and someone to watch for maybe an NFL spot next year. Hmm. Well, other interesting fact about him, um, he Hauk has played against him. Uh, and knows him just from his time at UNLV because Chasson uh, was originally recruited and played for Fresno State. Yep. St- uh, played in yeah, 2016-2017, got in 22 games between those two years. 2016, uh, passed for over 2,000 yards. So, I mean, he was playing meaningful minutes for an FBS program, dropped down, and has since just been dominating. Yeah, so I think that... Um, the Grizz have shown that they've, I mean, we know that, uh, Jake Merrimeyer didn't quite have the offensive season this year, but they were able to shut him down. The kind of that high flying offense, they're able to yeah. base to, to contain Barry Arier when he was there with, with, uh, Eastern Washington. So, you know, I think, I mean, these guys aren't ranked in the top 25. They did beat a uh, number now number nine, central Arkansas, 34 to nothing. They beat now number 19 nickel, or they lost the nickels by one. So. They dropped their, or they split their two games against top twenty-five teams. Uh, it's an interesting one. Just the, we would never be really worried about this game. You would never be worried that, about this game if it was a regular season game with a team that was receiving votes. You would probably think the Grizz were going to handle them pretty easily. I think their record, a lot of it, has to do with just kind of the conference that they're in. They actually lost to University of Incarnate Word this year, twenty-seven to twenty-one. And if Incarnate Word yeah. is anything like they were last year, it's not like we follow the Southland Conference very much. But if Incarnate Word was anything like they were last year, a loss to them, uh, not a good look. And it was at home. Yeah. So not, they've been able to put up a, a lot look. of good numbers against a really Incarnate shitty Word conference. Incarnate Word ranked 199 in the Sagarin ratings. Yeah, and so, I mean, who these guys uh, – uh, I again, we do not follow anything outside the Big Sky Conference. My talking points outside the Big Sky Conference are contained to just that North Dakota State is good. Um, but – you know, just based on what I saw in that one game, it seems like they can give the Grizz problems. It seems like their strengths kind of fit into what teams have been able to exploit on the Grizz this year. Um, and where they fit in the Sagarin ratings, it goes, you know, just looking at who the Grizz played, it is kind of right around UC Davis, Eastern Washington, Monmouth, like in that pack of programs. So the Grizz obviously went 3-0 and against those teams. But they were not; those weren't gimme wins. Now, are you are you just scared a little bit because of recency bias on what happened the last time the totally. Grizz stepped on a football field? Totally. I mean, look, if we were playing these guys after the Weber State game, I would have been super confident because it's like, yeah, there's a lot of similarities between uh, Weber and Montana State, right? Like their strengths are kind of uh, match up in terms of what their offense can do and their weaknesses as well. I just don't know where these guys, where Silu uh, fits in, right? Like I don't, and I don't know what the Grizz are going to do to stand up. Like, did they blow Cat Grizz uh, because the Cats exploited them? Or, or I guess the question is, 
and I think this will kind of determine how this game goes is did the, did the Grizz blow Kakris? Like, did they just shit their pants, which in the stadium sitting in the corner where they made every mistake in the first three minutes of the in, in the game, uh, it kind of seemed like the Grizz blew it initially and just could never get out of that hole. Um, or did the cats just like straight up beat them? Well, I think it's right. obvious. Well, you don't win a game by that many points and have a team blow it. I mean, the, the cats. Yeah, absolutely and I'm, this is not. It. I'm not trying to diminish the, the cats' victory at all. But you get where I'm. I'm coming. Oh, yeah. Like, coming there's a lot of. Like, I mean, there's a lot of energy in that game. It's a. It's a. It's a rivalry game. Yeah, like was. It's almost like Montana. The playing in Bobcat Stadium was too big of a stage for the Grizz, which was crazy. Yeah, um, on the road, maybe. And yeah. so you know, I think the other thing working against both the cats and the Grizz and every home team this weekend is, you know, whatever home field advantage you have is going to be diminished slightly just by where we are in the year with finals going on, uh, with folks, you know, starting to even finish up the semester and heading home. Um, You know, both the Cats and the Grizz are giving away free tickets to students, which signals to me they don't expect a great turnout for the game. So, uh, you know, Woggers is going to be rocking no matter what, but I, I, to what level is is still to, to be determined. We're not going yeah. to maximize. We're not going to. We're going to have a home field advantage. We're not going to maximize what our home field advantage could be. Oh, there's going to be. Yeah, you're right. There's going to be a definite home field advantage, but it's yeah, it's just kind of you know everybody kind of plans out their football season, and uh, when that regular season ends, it's just harder to get everybody back uh, into their seats. Uh, I know the students. I think they were thirty five dollars a piece, and people have been donating them, and the the universities have been buying them to get students in their seats. So hopefully, they show up for both games. Yeah. Um, the southeast, the the southeastern Louisiana team, though, like if you put them in the Big Sky Conference, uh, they're probably going to finish right around that UC Davis level that top half but they would have been probably sixth in the seventh in the conference this year uh in the big sky depending on how their schedule would have shaken out in our unbalanced scheduling it's just not a team that i would really ever be scared of um if we were playing them regular season or not it would be a team that you know if they came in it was maybe one of those you play they play home and homes that you schedule to get some uh fcs non-conference or yeah fcs non-conference games going it'd be a team that you'd be like kind of excited for because they're not a you know, Long Island University or St. Francis University team coming in. They, they're a team that maybe yeah. is a fringe top 30 team. So I think sure. it's kind of one of those games. It's definitely some recency bias if you're that worried about a team like this coming in um, against the Grizz. I think just Houck's going to get them ready to go. I, I wouldn't be worried about this game at all if I was a, a, a Grizz fan. And I would even – I said it in the Slack when I saw that the line came out and it was 11.5 points. I would say I would take the Grizz minus 11.5 to cover this game. Uh, I think there's going to be some anger from the, how that rivalry game went. I think that uh, the crowd's going to be happy to get them back home after after that cat loss and see some good Montana football. So, you know, I, I'm taking the, the Grizz and the points here, and I wouldn't be too worried about a team from the Southland who finished third in the Southland and is not even ranked in the top 25. Yeah, well, I mean, so a couple points there. One on the, the spread. I mean, the Grizz have not played in a game uh, this year with where the margin was less than 15 points in all their games, wins or losses, they either lost by more than 15 or won by more than 15. So uh, if they're going to win, you look at this season, they're probably going to win by more than, than 11 um, uh, on Hauk, uh One of the things that really has me bummed out is talking to some folks who have been on campus, who, you know, were in the room for the press conference, who, uh, have have seen him speak in other venues. Hauk seems to be 
a little gloomy. And, well, you know, that Montana State loss hurt, but you got to bounce back, right? Like, he's definitely telling his players, like, losses in the rear of your mirror, like, let's focus on what's ahead of us. But if a coach can't do that, that's problematic. Who knows if that's people trying to psych, you know, psychoanalyze him uh, and maybe projecting their own feelings onto him. But that, that was uh, troubling to hear. And in terms of schedule, you know, the Grizz have by far a better resume. They have way better wins. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier that Southeastern Louisiana, the average Sagarin for the teams they beat was 185. For the Grizz, that number was 153. And in terms of losses, Southeastern Louisiana, 167, which is, that's not an impressive number. The Grizz, the average Sagarin ratings for the teams that beat them, 196.5. That's because it's Sac State and Montana State who are ranked uh, 96, 97, respectively. Um, and that's obviously not counting the the Oregon loss. But so the Grits have a better resume. They have home field advantage and uh, I think a better team. But if Houck's in a funk, if if uh, if there's some combination of Houck being in a funk, uh, this team actually kind of matching up with how the Cats uh, play um, and everything else we talked about, like it, it has me a little worried. Yeah, well, I'm not the, as confident in this as I am about the Albany game, the gotcha. Cats Albany game. Okay, I mean, Grizz are favored by more points actually than the Montana. The Montana State is over Albany. Um, What's the line of that game? Nine. Ooh. Nine. But real quick, we love mascots, and yep. Southeastern's mascot, Rumi the Lion. I was like, why is it named Rumi? Usually it has something to do with football, something to do with, you know, what a lion would be doing. I don't know. Pride the lion, maybe. I don't know. That, that might be not right. But, yeah, the mascot Hollis, Rumi Wilson, was a former Southeastern athlete and faculty member and is well-known throughout the nation as one of the top football officials. So they named their mascot after a referee. Rumi. Okay. Rumi the lion. Well, it makes more sense than champ. See, that still doesn't make sense. State champs, four years in a row, back to back to back to back. <laughs> um, all right, should we move on to uh, Rumi the Lion? Should, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Do you have more factoids on? Yeah, just a little more. This is more on southeastern Louisiana. Yeah. This is kind of for those people that used to like to get to the tit, like get tidbits from the subways and stuff around Montana. Remember yeah. the tidbits? Those are cool. Oh, little yeah. paragraph I things. I love those things. Yeah. Like just, just quick hitting facts. That's all I wanted. And the ones that were longer than like maybe a paragraph, I would skip. I just wanted the quick hit. It was basically like Twitter before the internet. Yeah, they were awesome. Tidbits was the was amazing. So yeah. they have uh, 14,308 students, so a few more than UM, a little less than MSU, located in Hammond, Louisiana. Its campus is urban. Their nicknames are the Lions and the Lady Lions. So there you go. Okay. Just a little I kind of like that. I like when the when – the, men's and women's teams have like slight variations on their mascot. They just put lady like, in love, front of it. Yeah. Like lady Grizz. Um, I don't know. For whatever reason, I've always enjoyed that. Yeah. And their, their motto is, in Latin, I won't try it, but in English is fidelity, integrity, fortitude. Got it. So there you go. That's okay. Southeastern Louisiana university in a nutshell. Yep. Oh, last thing on the Grizz. Before we move on, um, you know, obviously not having a chem in the cat game hurt um, and not having him for the, the games he's missed has hurt. There's spotted on campus scooting around on one of those knee scooters 
where you have one knee up and then you yeah. push yourself on the other one. So not not a great look. Weren't you in one of those knee scooters? No, I actually had memory? a I actually had a walking crutch. So you would strap okay. yourself in like it was one of those scooters. Yeah. Um, but you would walk and it, and it had like a peg leg on it. People definitely thought I was an amputee for sure. If you saw me Dude. from the front, you would have thought that because my leg, my knee was back behind me, uh, so you wouldn't have been able to see it if you were at a certain angle. So um, I actually went to uh, did a trip to Jordan. Uh, over in the Middle East with that thing. I had already planned yeah. it. And, then I, and so I was walking around Jordan with this thing. I think people, uh, people, I got a lot of looks, a lot of looks yeah. walking around. Uh, probably Jordan thought you were like a cyborg. Yeah. What, what happened to your knee? It wasn't even, well, you can't use it if it's your knee. It was uh, an ankle injury. I tore like three ligaments in my ankle um, playing basketball, palming oh. basketballs. And, yeah, it was like two weeks before the trip, so I had to get on the walk. Someone gave me the tip on the walking crutch. So if anybody ever does that to their knee, uh, the walking crutch is amazing. It's only like a hundred bucks. Well worth it. Save my well, trip. What I'm doing is, uh, got married. I got married in August 2018, but we're not doing our honeymoon until this coming April. And so between now and then, I'm just not playing any basketball. Yeah, I'm not Dude, risking. I, yeah, don't do it. Any injury. I did the. I did the same thing, like the three months before my wedding. I was just like. Can't do it. Like yeah. I want to play, but I, I can't. I can't. I just. There's too much on the line nowadays play. when you're in your mid 30s, and uh, really any quick movement in any direction could end you for months. Oh yeah, and especially when I have friends in much better shape than me yeah. going down with with injuries. I'm lucky. Me being one of them. That, yeah. Uh, I can't really jump that high, so my risk of like injuring myself is diminished because of that. Um. But just having, you know, friends, not you, but other friends who are in better no, shape than mostly me, me. Um, go down with these. You know what? The, and you, and you know what the worst part of yeah, and the worst part about that injury was playing basketball. It was like a hustle play and pick up basketball. Like I was still Mr. Hustle. Went in there oh, for yeah. a rebound, uh, d- jumped, like planted and jumped off of basically someone's foot and just went down <laughs> in a heap. Big old bone bruise on the side, too, they said, from where the bone hit the ground. Like, my ankle, it was so bad. Ugh. I almost passed yeah, out. I'm, it hurt pretty bad. I'm strictly a three-point line, a three-point line. And that, I should have been, be, too. That was my fault. There can be a rebound coming towards me, and I'll just start running the other direction. I'll start I, running back to play defense. Like, I am not getting tangled up in a rebound anymore. Yeah, so that, that would have been good advice for me back, back when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> no more of that. Anyways, let's move Anywho, on to the Great Danes. The Great Danes of U Albany. For some reason, they can't just go by Albany or U of A, but U Albany on all their logos, on their football field, everywhere. Just U Albany. Why do they do that? Uh-huh. Tell me why they do that, Bear Kaikun. I I don't have I don't have an answer. Is there an other Albany? I like looked and there's College not. College of Albany? No, it's hmm. I mean, I didn't look for College of Albany, I guess, but it just makes no sense. Yeah. I don't I get it. I don't like it. Sometimes don't. you get, sometimes these colleges and businesses and organizations, they, they'll hire, you know, somebody to kind of do like branding and PR and, and they do their job, but then there's always this push to do more and more. And sometimes you just get a little too cute with it. Yeah. This is getting a little too cute. Yeah, not a. Not but don't a great you think logo. it's like if you're if you're humming in the in the PR branding department of University of Albany, you know the newsletters are going out on time. 
uh, you know, the Twitter is, is you got a process set up for getting tweets out quickly and approved. It's not easy to be sitting around and just kind of maintaining. And so it's like a brainstorm session. It's like, what if we rebranded? What if we really leaned into the you of university of Albany? Like we want you here. Like you yeah. should come to our school. You're Albany. You're Albany. You're Albany. Yeah. And then it's like, all right. And then they, they come up with these decisions and then they run them up the chain, but everyone's deferring to them because they're the press people. They're the PR people. And so then they just sign off on it. Next thing you know, you Albany, you Albany, man. So not a, not a great, uh, resume for you, Albany. Can I run through, please do. I'm going to run through, let's just run through all their, here's their wins. So, uh, Southeastern 185 Sagarin, uh, Albany a little bit better at 174, but they have some real stinkers on their wins. Uh, Bryant University is ranked 215, Lafayette 225, William and Mary, which I always forget is an FCS school, uh, 165. They also had wins at Towson, Rhode Island, Maine. Oh no, they lost to Maine, uh, Delaware, New Hampshire, Stony Brook, and then uh, last weekend's win. Uh, their losses were pretty gnarly as well. Monmouth with playoff team, Richmond, one sixty six, and Maine one forty six. So, you know, teams that have not had a ton of success this year besides Monmouth, and uh, but you know, historically decent FCS teams, right? Maine historically was in the decent. Last and year, people forget that Richmond, Richmond also beat Montana in a championship game. <laughs> people do forget. Spiders. Um, we're in so many championship games. Well, those are like the two. Keep those are the two. Um, and then they also lost to Central Michigan, FBS Central Michigan, uh, first game of the year. So kind of a mixed, unimpressive bag. Does anything stand out in that in that resume? What stands out is that they are in the same divi- same same conference as James Madison and Villanova. And did not have to play those two teams this year. So, so it looks like there's some unbalanced scheduling in the CAA as well. Yep. 79, 10, they have 12 teams and play eight conference games. So you're not going to play three teams uh, in a given year. And they pretty amazing though, that they missed on both of them. They did. They missed on number two, James Madison. And, and at the time, number eight, Villanova. So their wins, uh, their biggest win against was, was New Hampshire, uh, who finished six and five overall and five and three in the conference. They beat New Hampshire uh, 24 to 17 back on November 16th. But yeah, just looking at that, that Colonial Athletic Association, not a strong conference either. Obviously, we have a little bit of a bias uh, having the Big Sky have four um, seeded teams, which is, which is absolutely kind of unheard of. Um, so it, it's tough to look at any conference with any kind of being impressed with any other conference, maybe beside the Missouri Valley. But so what jumps out to me is basically that they, they skated by and got into the playoffs because they didn't have to play two of the best teams in their conference. Uh, they're ranked number 25 right now. So they just squeaked into the top 25. This uh, was it last week or this week. Um, I don't know if they've updated the stats poll. Probably not. So they squeaked in the top 25 last week before their win over central Connecticut yep. state. I, tweeted out during the first or second quarter of that game that Albany was horrible, horrible, horrible. I remember Um, they must've seen it because they came back and did a number on central Connecticut state who at the time was number 17. Uh, But that first 
part of the game. Their defense didn't look great. Central Connecticut had one uh, drive that went like nine minutes to open up the game. Touchdown got called off, uh, called back for a penalty. Then they missed a field goal. <laughs> so Central Connecticut State was basically doing whatever they wanted to to them, it seemed like, and then just kind of ran out of steam, got a little bit demoralized in the second half as they were falling behind. Uh, that score, 42-14, to 14, was not what I thought it would have been when I was watching that game at the beginning. Even when Albany took the lead, I did not think that they were going to run up 42 points on Central Connecticut State. But I also think Central Connecticut State was a pretty overrated team. Again, this is the uh, Central Connecticut State was the auto bid from the Northeast Conference with yeah. uh, such powerhouses of, as Duquesne, Sacred Heart, St. Francis, Bryant, Wagner, and our favorite, Long Island University CW Post oh, yeah. Campus. Yeah, so we, we've come full circle back to Long Island University CW Post. Yep. Um, um, from the moment you texted that Al- that Albany was awful, they scored 42 unanswered points. Yes. Yes, I do realize that. So it was not a, it was a pretty, it wasn't even a hot take at the time because they really weren't doing that well. They looked pretty bad. Um, yeah. And they, like I said, they either saw that or I don't, I don't know what hell happened, but now they get to come it's to Montana State. All their scoring, it's crazy that all their scoring in that game came from, uh, offensive possessions i feel like i mean they scored 28 points in the third quarter i feel like more often than not when you have a big number like that in a single quarter there's you know some pick six or a punt return or just like some quick unexpected score but this was all yeah that third uh, quarter just regular <laughs> offensive drives they scored a yeah they scored a touchdown uh, about a 30 seconds into the third was that right? 30 seconds into the third yeah. quarter, about five minutes in, then about seven minutes in, then right at the end of it, they just absolutely poured it on in that third quarter. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a bad take by me, but uh, I was pretty surprised uh, that it happened there. Quarterback, Jeff Undercuffler. Good name. 6'5", 231, so what uh, Casey Bauman was supposed to be. <laughs> so, I mean, Jeff. great name though, right? Undercuffler? Undercuffler, Undercuffler. Uh that sounds like somebody who was stopped by the cops and made up a name on the spot. Just on the spot. My name? Oh, it's Jeff Undercuffler. Yeah, he saw like... Un- <laughs> I don't even know where he'd get it, but yeah, he looked around, saw something that reminded him of like a muffler and a shirt cuff and was like Undercuffler. And then they yeah. let him go. And actually, yeah. like, that's the stupidest made-up name ever get in the car. No, but he is actually I mean, he's a pretty pretty good quarterback. Uh, this year he had 3,251 yards, 39 touchdowns, only eight interceptions. So yeah. um, obviously they're going to be a team who is going to try and beat you through the air. He had six touchdowns, I think, in that. Um, yeah, he had six touchdowns against Central Connecticut State. So the nice thing about that is Montana State has played pretty dang well against the pass lately. The defense has been playing lights out. Um, when you look at their last two games, even Sneed and Mayer Meyer, two of the top quarterbacks in the big side conference, they were able to handle them. Albany's rushing Holy. attack. Uh, they had a guy with 70 yards and 35 yards. So, uh, 105 yards total rushing. You didn't need to do much when your quarterback's throwing for six touchdowns though. Um, and they had a couple guys over a hundred yards receiving, uh, not to get too confident, but not super worried about this game. I think Montana State, the only thing that could trip them up is just when you're up that high after a game like Cat Grizz and the adrenaline and the fans and the atmosphere that they had and everything getting up to leading up to that game, and then you take a week off of football and you're focusing on, you know, studying for your finals, film, not knowing who you're gonna play until Saturday afternoon. 
just can you get back to that mindset that you had rolling in, um, rolling into UC Davis and then rolling into Cat Grizz, knowing that you're back. I mean, this is the playoffs. Obviously, it's winner go home. Your backs are against the wall. But those two, the Davis game and UM game being conference games, you know, with your with really your back against the wall, you're not going to get a seed if you don't win both of those. You don't get in the playoffs maybe if you don't win both of those games. Yeah. I mean, it's – or one of those two knowing games. Knowing how so the it's, playoffs – That atmosphere is just – oh. If you, I think if you lost to the Grizz, I think you'd be in. Um, but it wasn't a guarantee. But just kind of looking how a lot of the, I mean, the Cats had a much better resume than some of these shitty schools that we saw in round one. Round one, just overall watching the games, my takeaway was that there's some bad football teams in the. Oh, know, for sure, in the FCS. Yeah. The FCS. Definitely, and I think um, the uh, one thing that's that's interesting in terms of like home field advantage, like this is going to be, I'd imagine one of the bigger crowds they've played in front of this year, but weather is not going to be a factor because upstate New York, they are used to really, really bad shitty weather. Yeah. And I think with all the technology these days, I think the warm weather school going to a cold weather place is so overblown. Now field turf, the the heaters they have, the clothes you can wear, like maybe back in the yeah. early 90s like it was a big deal. Under Armour makes so much damn stuff that's lightweight that'll keep you warm for hours <laughs> and it really just doesn't matter anymore. You're going to go out there, you're going to play football and you're right. It's it's upstate New York. It's not like it's, you know, coastal Carolina or some place down in Florida like Jacksonville or or that was that in Georgia. I don't even know. There's a school named Jacksonville that's in Georgia, but Alabama. Oh, it's in Alabama. Okay, yep. that makes sense. So Jacksonville State, well, Jacksonville State is in Alabama. Okay, but the University of Jacksonville is in Florida. I don't know that. Sidebar, they took away Jacksonville's football program. I saw that. So I couldn't remember if that was the one in Florida or if that was the one that I thought was in Georgia, but it's actually in Alabama. Let's look it up. Jacksonville University football. Um, but anyways, so if you look at University of Albany Stadium, which I'm doing as we're talking like on Google images it is, it is such a pathetic little field. And that's where they played last oh week. God. And I think uh, someone tweeted out the, the uh, attendance from last week. I think there was less than 2000 people at that Albany football game last week, <laughs> which is not awesome. Not awesome at all. Uh, so yeah, you Albany, it's the Bob Ford field at Tom and Mary Casey stadium. So just a bunch of people donating their money for a shitty stadium and getting their name after yeah. it. So their capacity is 8,500 expandable to 24,000. Well, yeah, like if you have a concert, you can put a bunch of people on the field. Oh, I see. I mean, there is room to expand because oh, I was looking at it as expandable. <laughs> like you could put seats to watch yeah. a concert. I see. Yeah. Well, that's probably true you probably get ten thousand the one on that field yeah. if you wanted to the one nice thing about their field is it does not have the track around it uh-huh. so they have true. that going for them uh another nice thing is their video board is about the same size as montana states so you know they're humble they don't need those yeah, big they're they don't Michael need, Scott they don't plasma. yeah they don't yes that was kind of funny they don't need those big boards to you know impress people <laughs> they're down to earth or they don't want to they oftentimes don't want to see the replay of what their team is doing that's true. That's true, too. Uh, doesn't look like there's a ton of good tailgating spots around there. A nice little parking lot maybe to the north or to the east. I can't tell. from I'm not oriented in Albany when I'm looking at this. Um, I do like their grass berm they have on one side of the field. I think grass berms are underrated uh, at football yep, stadiums, agreed. baseball stadiums, when you go to a minor league game or like that UC Davis Minor game. league games, they're, 
if I walked in a minor league minor league stadium and they have one of those, I'm all in. Oh yeah, all in. Spring training when you're down in Arizona, you're going to the grass berm. They're good for families. Yep. They're good for beer. So that is one cool thing I, I, I like that they have there is the grass berm. Uh, I'm just trying to say as many things nice about Albany as I can, really. Um, they do kind of have like an upper deck kind of look to it on that one side. Did you on notice one that? Side and then the other. They kind of made is, it look like upper deck. Yeah. Um, the win last week against Central Connecticut, first win, playoff win for Albany, for you Albany. That's something. I couldn't tell you were talking about when you just said Albany. Yeah, it's, sorry, it's you, you Albany. Albany. Thank you. Um, so what, do you think the Cats win, and do you think the Cats cover? I think the Cats cover this game. I think the Cats. I think the Cats win this one by fourteen-ish, seventeen-ish points. Okay. I, I look at it. Probably not going to be as simple of a game as it was when they beat. Uh, Incarnate Word last year. I think this is a better team than Incarnate Word was last year, but I also think Montana State is much, much better than they were last year when they played Incarnate Word. So <laughs> I see this going that way. Um, and I, I, I'm i really not too worried about this game. I'm, I'm already, and I, you're not supposed to do this as a player, but you can do it as a fan. I'm already looking forward to the matchup against Sacramento State and seeing if we can uh, get a yeah. little revenge on that one in Sacramento. Uh, it would be, it'd be a lot of fun uh, to have both these potential uh, big sky rematches of Weber, Weber, Montana and Montana state versus Sacramento state. For sure. I want to see that. We all want to see it. That's for sure. One cool thing about, uh, another cool thing about Albany is that they are going to the university, not the university, the museum of the Rockies before the game. So they will be in Bozeman. They're going to go check out the museum of the Rockies and see some of the largest collection of dinosaurs in North America. So they are a team that cares about history. Yeah, I saw one of their players doesn't believe in dinosaurs. Well, he's in for he's in for a treat then at the Museum of the Rockies. Is yeah, Jack is Jack Horner still alive? Uh, I think he got uh, in trouble for something. Jack Horner did. I think he's alive, but no longer at the Museum of the Rockies. Oh, come up with I'm looking this up. Come up with uh, one more. Give me one reason why the Bobcats why you might be worried about the Bobcats. I like. I think it's going back to what I said about how up they were and the emotion that you you have for the Cat Grizz game and what that meant to them, and just trying to get that same emotion back after not playing for two weeks and coming back. It's like you said again in, in, when you talked about the Grizz game. Is it's not going to be the atmosphere that it was for Cat Grizz. There's no way you're ever going to be able to replicate that in a non-Cat Grizz setting, and even at a championship game, you're not going to be able to do it because it's not even at home. There's just no way to replicate that. You wonder, you know, can they get up for this game like they did for that? I think they can. I think Choate does a good job of, of being able to do that and, and let them know that you have to be in the moment. And you have it's a new it's a new game, but it's it's one that you're going to have to get up for like that if you want to survive and, and pass on to the next uh, round. But that would be the one thing I'm worried about is just uh, can they get that energy back? Not playing last week did that help or did that hurt? It's that rest versus rust uh, that we always talk about and everybody always talks about when you get a bye or when uh, you have some time off. Mm. Jack Horner. Uh, so I agree with everything you just said. Thank you. Um, Jack Horner not didn't get in trouble. Um, didn't do anything. He was not like part of the Me Too uh, uh, problem. But what was determined to be problematic, he was kind of forced out uh, in 2012 when he was 
was uh, 66, he married a 19-year-old undergraduate student. And oh, wow. Following that, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, he told the university to butt out of the relationship. Hell yeah. Um, and then was forced into what he claims he was forced into uh, retirement. So An early retirement. Uh, early retirement. One of the greatest minds in dinosaurs and <laughs> out because of that. Love is love, man. Who are you to judge? Found someone else. Found someone else who loved dinosaurs. Yeah. And I mean, because I feel like people who are younger like dinosaurs a lot more. I know a lot of kids that are um, you know, going through their dinosaur phase. Yeah. This one was God, just I less. Married him. I would have married him in third grade. I could. I think he was everybody's hero right back when then, Jurassic right? Park came out? Yeah. Everybody was. And that was who was modeled after, right? The characters in that? I think so. The character, one of the characters. Loosely loosely based. (laughs) What happened? Um, I hope you didn't look up like 19 year olds on Google or something like that. There's pictures of them together. Oh, no. I mean, it it is. Love is love, Bear. Love is love. Yeah, no no judgment, but she is clearly uh, more than 50 years younger. (laughs) By By age and appearance? If you, I mean, if you saw these pictures, oh no, you would you would assume oh, no, that this Jack. was not even like father and daughter at the wedding. It was grandfather and daughter. But I mean, again, whatever makes you happy. But this is what I remembered as like the oh no, the the scandal that brought him down wasn't a scandal. Didn't do anything wrong. But the university did not. I just looked not as the- open minded as the Montana Men's Sports Pod. No, definitely not. And I did look. He was. Um, there was actually a story in the Daily Mail in in the UK when he when he was forced out of his job. So he was renowned paleontologist. Complains he was forced out of his job of. Uh, yeah. So it looks like he was the paleontologist, and he was an advisor for those Jurassic Park films. And, uh, yeah, nineteen years old. Man. Really into dinosaurs. He actually uh, stole her. She had a boyfriend at the time. <laughs> and... What are that guy's doing? Yeah, if lose... that guy happens to be, if that guy happens to be a listener, please, uh, we would love to have you on the podcast. We and there's enough time has passed where you can't be heard about this anymore. Yeah, you can. De- I mean, he definitely rebounded. He's probably it was 2011. 18, that was eighteen eight years, years ago. That's it. I, yeah. The pictures are kind of creepy. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, we can't. We're not judging though. We're not judging. Yeah, these are not. These are not great. They're damning. Anyways, pictures. um, real quick, <laughs> he was almost. He was almost a paleontologist for twice as long as she had been alive. <laughs> That's insane. Someone compared it to uh, Benjamin Franklin marrying Snooky from Jersey Shore. <laughs> I can see it. He does look like Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> apologies. And also apologies to Jack Horner. If he is a listener. Yeah. If you, Again, no judgment. No, we I haven't mean, judged. We're, once. we're having, we have we're not having judged a once. natural reaction, right? Like this is a natural reaction when there's this big of an age difference, but no True. judgment, man. But that's just something the world has made us see like that. You know, that wasn't, that's just how we've been ingrained in our mind that you can't, you can't love anybody that 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 much younger than you. And you know what, Jack, you do you love is love. You do you man. Love is love. Um, should we quickly touch on <laughs> the, the other, 
that was a rabbit Sky hole. Games. That was a rabbit yeah. hole. That was. Oh, but um, yeah, I did look up something when you were looking up something. Because we do okay. all of our research at the time, so you know it's the most up-to-date research. Here was the attendance last week in the first round games. you want me to go through them real quick? Yep. Holy Cross at oh, Monmouth. Holy Cross at Monmouth, 2,817. Central Connecticut at Albany, 1,660. Southeast Missouri State at – Illinois State at Southeast Missouri State, 3,200. University uh, – UNI, Northern Iowa at San Diego – or at UNI, fuck, I don't care. 3,743. Furman at Austin P, 3,500. Kennesaw at Wofford, 1,900. North Dakota oh at Nichols, 7,500. And finally, Nova at the Lions of Sela, 4,173. Yeah, so even with like the Cats and the Grizz, like, I think we're both a little concerned that yeah, the stadium's not going to be filled. We're still going to have more than almost all of these combined. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I think I if you that. take out the Nichols game, you're at maybe 20,000. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, it sucks. It's not a good look for the damage, FCS. But, yeah. It just sucks. The attendance that just sucks. Cause it's really, just not a good look for FCS when someone maybe was Cooking through ESPN three, they were going through their streaming on Saturday afternoon. It was the Saturday after Thanksgiving. They didn't want to watch any big time football. Maybe it's in a commercial break, and then they see a game uh, where 1,900 people are watching New Albany beat Central Connecticut. Yeah, that sucks. Um, it does suck, and it was it was super noticeable because I was flipping. Oh, through it was very noticeable. A lot of the games, and what we I mean, someone just needs to come up with a camera angle in situations like that where you just don't see anybody on the field or you don't see anybody off the field. You don't see the Agreed. stadium. You only see the action on the field, maybe a drone shot from, from right above. And Nate, I'm kind of, I'm going to call an audible. We were going to talk about these other games, um, but do we even want to pretend that we know anything about Austin P or uh, Kennesaw state besides their very handsome owl mascot? You Let's just skip it. You did like, we will need the, the Kennesaw state one. Uh, I do want to talk yeah. about that game against Okay. Weaver. Okay, go for it. They are in one of the most god-awful conferences in the FCS True. in the Big South. And they were ranked as high as, like, number four or five this year. They had lost to Monmouth on November 2nd. That dropped them back a little bit. But basically ran through their schedule like you should. They just didn't play anybody really that good at all. I hope Weber State, just to show that the voters are right. The selection committee was right on not giving Kennesaw a seed or even they're the number 15 team in the, in the stats FCS poll when they were put in there, but not giving Kennesaw a seed and seeing through the farce that is the big South conference. I hope Weber state absolutely kills them. No mercy showing them how much better the big sky conference is in the big South. You should never let a team from the big South even come close to the top 10 with the people they're playing. They do have Monmouth in their conference, number 14 Monmouth who went six and zero in conference and 11, two overall. But they have Charleston Southern, Campbell, the Camels. I had a friend's sister who went, and there was a pharmacy school at Campbell. That's the only reason I know that they're the Camels, and they're orange and black. It's a good hideous, name. Hideous Great colors, name. though. Really cool nickname, hideous colors. Uh, North Alabama, Hampton, Gardner-Webb, and Presbyterian. So just a horrible, horrible conference. I hope that uh, Weber State comes out, puts the gas pedal down, um, does a little bit of statement for the Big Sky Conference and showing that any team from the Big South uh, should barely even be able to crack the top 20, in my opinion. Yep, and so the winner of that game, Weber, Kennesaw State, they'll play the winner of the Montana-Silu game. 
and then uh, the Cats have the winner of the Sacramento State Austin Austin P game. Austin P. So that is that is one. Uh, I'll be interested to see Thompson against uh, in Sac- the Sacramento State game to see Thompson how he's feeling. Uh, I know he came back and played pretty well in that UC Davis game, the Causeway Classic, yeah. the last game of the year. But uh, he was obviously banged up quite a bit before that. They struggled. So Sac State did struggle against UC Davis, a team that Montana State handled pretty easily, especially in the second half. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Sac State shows up. They're going to be at home, which is huge, but that's another one. Does the crowd show up like they did for that Causeway Classic? Do they have that energy um, that they need to, that they'll need to have. I think they have a little bit of an advantage is that the Causeway Classic isn't quite um, the state championship like you know Cat Grizz is, where everybody yeah. in the whole state gets up for it and there's that energy. So Sac State used to playing in, not in front of those massive crowds and maybe not having the energy that uh, that Wagriz or uh, Bobcat Stadium gives a team. So I think they win that game, Sacramento State, but I'll be interesting to see uh, how healthy Thompson is. The bye week has to help them out in, in getting him back to where he was as one of the premier players in the in the FCS. So I think uh, that'll be a game I'll watch just to see what Sac State shows up. Yeah. Uh, the other note I had from the bracket, uh, someone put out like the probability of you know, winning each game and like making it to the next round semifinals championship, North Dakota state, I think had like a, a 68% chance of winning the championship at this point. And James Madison had something like very high, but between those two teams, I want to say they had like a 94% chance of winning, winning the championship. They didn't give anybody much chance. Yeah. Can't argue with, though I will be rooting very strongly for a Nichols State because it would be awesome if they could knock if anybody could if someone knocks off North Dakota State. Oh, for sure, we're gonna go for anybody that's playing North Dakota State or James Madison. That's one hundred percent. Yes. Yep. Big Monmouth fans this weekend. Uh, Other things I want to talk about. I think we briefly may have talked about this last week, but the departure of Ernest Collins at Northern Colorado. We yeah, Uh, we touched on that. Yep. There's been rumors forever since he left. So I guess two years that Bob Stitt would end up at Northern Colorado somehow. Uh, It was also announced that Bob Stitt was not being retained at Texas state. So the stars are aligning for Bob Stitt to come back to the big sky conference. He also could go to Cal Poly, turn his weird little offense uh, and replace the, the triple. I forgot about the Cal Poly opening. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which Does frankly, his, would his offense work though on a natural grass field? Both both schools are the last, which is ironic, or is that you know coincidence or not that both coaches got uh, well, one resigned and one got fired, and there are only only two natural grass fields left in the Big Sky. Does it slow them, their offenses down that much? And that's what led to this. Well, I mean, I think there's an argument that his offense doesn't work on any substance because he's gone from turf to. I'm not sure what Texas State played Assuming on. Assuming turf. Yeah. <laughs> things haven't been going great for, for Bob Stitt. Um, but it would be it would be so much fun if he came back, a, to, back to the Big Sky Conference. It was a meteoric rise for Bob Stitt coming from School of Mines to Montana. Uh, yep. His first game was that game against North Dakota State, right? His first yeah, regular season first game was game. that a meteoric rise to Grizz legend. Um, after that North Dakota State game in his weird little green leprechaun hat, and just a rapid fall from the top lately for Bob. You know, he goes to an FCS, uh, FBS school after he gets axed uh, from Montana. Offensive coordinator, you know, he invented the fly sweep. People forget that. And 
there may not be someone who ra- <laughs> had risen so fast on such one. Just I don't even. I don't even know how to explain the, the fly sweep. And it's unbelievable that he got to the places he was because of one wrinkle in an offense that he put out there at School of Mines and told somebody about Maybe the over best in like West analogy, Virginia or something. I can't think of a of a coach, but the best analogy to him might be, uh, or best comparison might be Matt Flynn, who had like yeah one great flash, and then the yeah you know, the keys were handed over to him in Seattle, and then Russ came, and they were like well, actually. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna go with rookie Russell Wilson, and then Flynn bounced around to what three other teams before? Yeah, he, he never he never played a meaningful minute in the NFL again, from what I can remember. No, he didn't. Fun Matt Flynn story when uh that was back. Matt Flynn was at LSU back when we were in college when Facebook had just come out, <laughs> and he was a really good quarterback at LSU. And that's and uh, I rec- I friend requested him, and he was probably a junior, and I was maybe like a freshman or sophomore. <laughs> And he accepted. So from that point until a dead serious, like a year ago, I was Matt Flynn's friend on Facebook, like personal friend. It wasn't like his brand page or his athlete page or anything. I was Matt Flynn's personal Facebook friend until about a year ago. And I was like, why the hell like does his stuff keep popping up? And I kind of remembered. So I was I was cheering for him when he came over to the Seahawks because then I would have had Matt Flynn Seahawks quarterback Wait, so as my personal friend. Did you unfriend him? I did, yes. You unfriended Matt Flynn. I did. I did. <laughs> I went through. A, you have to go through a friend purge, man. And so Matt didn't make the cut. Uh, had he still been uh-huh. our quarterback, and he had done what Russell Wilson has done for the Seahawks, uh, he probably still would be my uh, Facebook friend. But yeah, no more. What a bruise to his ego. Because I'm sure, I'm sure he has like, well, maybe not anymore. But I'm sure. I bet you, as a pro athlete, he has somebody kind of monitoring his social media, and getting a list of who has followed and unfollowed him. And for a Facebook personal page yeah. to have just this like random dude from Montana unfollow him. He's doing you a solid by accepting that request. Well, that was way back. I mean, that was, he was, he was playing pretty well at LSU really well. Uh huh. I always followed his, the funny part too, is I always followed his career, like with green Bay and everybody. And then obviously when he came to the Seahawks, uh, pretty closely because I felt some kind of kinship to him from just being a Facebook friend. I think we were sitting around one night. We're like, let's just try and, friend all these athletes and like nobody ever accepted but matt flynn he was one of them yeah and then so, you broke so thanks up matt him. i did well the time comes where you can't just ride someone's athlete coattails on your facebook friends list and yeah. you know um i brought it back to just uh close friends and are uh, you friends with alex singleton on facebook no i don't think we were ever facebook friends okay it's definitely the best probably for the best yeah Probably for the best. Yeah, so um, but that was my Matt Flynn star. Yeah, one more coaching thing, and I'm not doing this to troll you. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this as just putting it out there. Again, stars aligning for Bob Stitt to Northern Colorado. Um, potential stars aligning over at UW. Head coach unexpectedly, unexpectedly steps down. Defensive coordinator named the new new head coach at Washington. Yeah. That leaves the D coordinator job at UW open. Who used to coach at UW? Jeff Choate. Who is rising, uh, a rising star in the FCS coaching uh, ranks? Jeff Choate. Uh, who definitely has a giant ego? Jeff Choate. Who would want to triple, potentially triple their salary? Everybody in the world, including Jeff Choate. So, not saying it's going to happen, but on a scale of one to a hundred, 
where does this like one being not worried a hundred being terrified what score would you give your worry that jeff choate might jump ship to u-dub uh 25 there is 25 like yeah the, the part the funny part was i started looking at all the connections between university of washington and montana <laughs> state so yeah like first <laughs> off the new head coach jimmy lake played safety in the big sky conference for eastern washington Yep. He was he was on Montana State's uh, he was Montana State's uh, DB coach back in 2005. So that would have been my junior year. Yeah, junior year. So Jimmy Lake was at MSU uh, for a while. Obviously, there's the Kane Ione connection. Kane just came back from UW uh, after being like their defensive consultant or something like that. Uh, Chris Peterson always obviously had a pretty good relationship with Jeff Choate. Um, just from having him on his staff before Choke came to Montana State. So he definitely has probably the buy-in from Peterson as well. Uh, I think their offensive coordinator coached at Montana State at one point, if I'm not mistaken, or was a defense. I don't know. There's just too many Montana State connections for me to say zero on this on this thing. I don't think he goes, but as I started you know, kind of reading about all the connections that Montana State has and Choate has to UW, it, it, the thought enters your mind a bit. And then your thought enters your mind, and this was always my thought, was that Kane Ione got sent to UW for a couple of years to just get, to become a better coach and that Choate's intention was always to bring him back and maybe as like the head coach in waiting. And that's always been a thought of mine, uh, which it's not like a conspiracy theory, but it's something that has made me think a little bit more now that this coaching carousel is happening at UW. Yeah. Yeah. So something, something to, something, something to, to ponder about. during, it was something to ponder during the bye week for sure. Except that they didn't happen until what, two days ago. So we didn't get it all last weekend, but yeah, it's something, yeah. it's definitely something. And at the FCS level, when you have, Success. I don't know if Choate has had the sustained success that gets him a power five D coordinator job, but that's you know. the that's the one that is a big jump, right? Like yeah, like Craig Bowl went from head coach of Wyoming or and uh, NDSU to head coach of Wyoming. You know, a middling what are they Mac or not Mac? Uh, WAC football team that's going to yeah. make a bowl game this year, which is awesome, but not a power team. And that's a head coach. I know I get that part, but even taking a coach of MSU who's had, you know, just got their second winning season under their belt and saying, Hey, here's the reins to one of the best defenses in the pac 12. That's, that's quite the leap. Yeah. But I mean, the head coach was the D coordinator. And so, you know, he can afford to kind of have a junior person in the D you know, the defensive coordinator role, because he will likely be, You'll have to hire or make sure that they have someone that complements his weaknesses, right? So he'll need to have a an awesome offensive coordinator, but he's still going to be overseeing the defense and just need somebody kind of that he can trust to run it. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, is Choate ready for a move like this? Uh, with UNLV's job is opened up and on the Slack, someone sent around an article about coaches that are being discussed for that, uh, one of those coaches, Jay Hill, Weber State, who has yeah. had some sustained success. The other coach, Troy Taylor, who was in year one of a 10-year contract with Sacramento State. Yeah. So I mean, they must have seen I mean, something. I mean, Troy Taylor getting... obviously turned a program around very, very quickly, but I don't get yeah. how you could take a guy <laughs> in their first year at Sac State. And, I mean, it's UNLV, so who cares, really? Like, who cares who they hand the keys over? They'll be gone in three to four years anyway. But yeah, that'd be quite the jump for him. That'd be quite. I would not hand anything over to Troy Taylor quite yet. yet. Um, I I mean I believe in what he's doing, but 
uh, I don't know. Let's. It might let's even be. Able, it might even be easier to recruit to Sac State than it is to UNLV. <laughs> totally. Um, one last thing. Do you have anything more football to talk about? Uh, one two. other thing I had up on my screen that I forgot to talk about when we were talking about the Montana State it. thing. The last time Montana State was in back-to-back playoff uh, appearances was in 2011 and 2012. So uh, it's been a little while since we've had back-to-back seasons with playoff. Um, they actually made it three years in a row from 10 to 12, but that was the last time they made back-to-back seasons of playoffs. Those were all the under. The Cats have made it in the past like 20 years. 20 years. So that's going back to 2009. Or just like in our lifetime. Have they made it? In our lifetime. Well, that's a good point, actually. So 1984, they won the championship. I wasn't alive yet, though. Yeah. In our, like... <laughs> no, they made the quarterfinal. The, well, it, it's, it kind of changed because in 2006, there was a the round, there were 16 teams. So they made it to the quarterfinals. They beat Furman 31-13 to behind Jack Rolovich at quarterback and then went and got beat by Armani Edwards in Appalachian State. So that was the quarterfinals uh-huh. in 2016. Or I'm sorry, 2006. They made the second round in 2011. Uh, they beat New Hampshire at home by one on a missed extra point and then got shit-canned by Sam Houston State on ESPN 49-13. to the fu- the, And then the following year, those, those were round of 20. There were 20 teams in the playoffs. The next year, they beat Stony Brook, and then Sam Houston State came to – uh, Bo has been on ESPN and got the shit kicked out of him 34 to 16 in the quarterfinals. So uh, there haven't been passed. They haven't played in three rounds of a playoffs since 1984. Got it. That was a long um, answer for, for what you're asking. But no, I mean, it's kind I, of a trip down memory lane know. though. I had a, yeah. I, I took a starter jacket, an old school, like three logos ago, MSU starter jacket back to the Cat Grizz game. My uncle let me borrow it and I gave it back to him and I reached in there and there was tickets in there. So the last time I wore that, that coat was in 2012, uh, the Sam Houston at Montana state game. I had the tickets, the printed off tickets from that 2012 quarterfinal. Uh, so it was, it was, that was a nice little trip down memory lane too. It was cold that night though. I drank way too much um, blackberry brandy that night. Do you know how good blackberry brandy is? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Until you wake up the next morning, like, you're burping blackberry brandy and have the hangover from hell. Yeah. It's It's good, though. God, it's good, though. It's awesome. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Montana Parlay is going to not be happy with us talking about fruit-infused. I don't care what he says. Blackberry brandy is amazing. It's so good. So, uh, before we toss it to him to close the show, I have two, two points. Two non-football points. Okay. One, uh, Montana Mint Store launched a new hat. Heck yeah. Limited edition, limited edition hat, like we've been talking about in our ads for Big Sky Big Takes. Uh, most of our gear now is coming out on a limited run basis, so we only made 50 of these. There will only be 50 uh, ever made. Uh, there's a men's version and a, and a women's version of this hat, um, so 50 of each. We partnered with this cool design company, uh, North Beast Clothing, uh, that they make a ton of gear for about Montana and Idaho. Um, the guy is from Montana. The main guy is from Montana, but lives in Idaho. So he's got all this cool gear. We partnered with him on this. It's called the Geo. Check it out on our uh, Montana Mint store. Uh, it's the first item there. We've also restocked our wear full hats. And so uh, we got a bunch of them earlier this year. They sold out very very quickly so we got a a new run of them for that one is not limited run but uh got them in stock for christmas so if you want to get it uh free shipping through this friday um the 
6th. Uh, use the promo code CYBERWEEK. Um, you get free shipping. Actually, we'll, we'll extend that through Sunday just for all of our good listeners. So anyone listening to this on their way to the game, uh, go get some Montana Mint gear. People ask us all the time what's the best way that they can support us. Obviously, sharing what we're doing on social media, telling your friends about the podcast. That is number one. Number two is buying our gear for yourself, for your friends, for Christmas gifts, for secret Santas, white elephants. It's all designed. uh, We do as much of the production as we can in Montana. So check that out. Um, Last thing is doing some more uh, Jack Horner research. The woman he married, the woman he married, um, big dinosaur fan. Obviously. Her Twitter handle before she was uh, Mrs. Horner, before she was Mrs. Horner, Dino Girl 2010. No way. Um, and, and she actually served as uh, Mr. Horner's intern at the Museum of the Rockies. Shocker. But was but, obsessed with dinosaurs and him, according to her Twitter account, before she even started. So this was something that she may have planned years in advance. That's that's something. That's a yeah. That's a different kind of dedication to dinosaurs. Yep. Wow. But she was not. Well, and let me clarify. <laughs> she was an intern at the Museum of the Rockies, but he did not work for. She did not work for him. There was no quid. And pro she was quo. never a student. There's no yeah. quid pro quo. Oh, and wasn't well, actually wasn't an intern. Jack Warner clarified in a statement she was a volunteer. So. Oh yeah, wasn't wasn't getting paid. Well, there's you can't you can't uh, you can't quid pro quo when there's no pay, right? Yeah, <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, all right, I think that's all we need to talk about this week, and we gotta throw it to parlay. We didn't take a break. We didn't take. We just went right through it. We are excited to have football back this week. I think is the biggest thing. Um, yes, it was kind of nice again when we we talked about it the bye weeks during the season that does let you catch your breath especially after cat grizz let everybody collect their thoughts um not have to worry or stress about anything like we have been for the last four or five weeks every time we've played a game so this week it'll be back it'll be nice to have that energy back that adrenaline back watching these games all of them are going to be on espn3 so they are streaming uh on a good platform with good announcers uh not the home announcers that you would get you know when you watch a cal poly game on pluto so always nice to take advantage of these playoffs to watch a good production um an espn production and espn announcers doing our games yep all right man Super excited. We'll be talking throughout the games yes. and we'll be back next week. Hopefully yep. both excited. Exactly. And we are like bear tycoon said, we're going to throw it over to Montana parlay so he can go through his bets for the week. And hopefully he doesn't go too much into how easy the Grizz playoff route is going. Cause we are all sick of that. I believe his worst take of all. Oh time. my God. And he likes Booger McFarland on Monday night football. Oh my God. Just learned that today. Unbelievable. Okay. That's how you know his takes are way worse than mine. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Later. we're going to throw it over to Montana Parlay. We'll see you, everybody. We'll talk to everybody next week. Bye. Welcome to a very special playoff edition of Parlay's Picks. I'm Montana Parlay. Obviously, we have no money left, and I could not be happier as I bet the whole bankroll on the Grizz, and they lost in epic fashion. Go Cats! Before we get to the lines, let's talk a little bit about bankroll management and what a unit is. I did not listen to my own 
uh, teachings, so let's go over it very clearly. A unit is anywhere from 1% to 5% of your total bankroll. So if you come into these playoffs with $200 uploaded onto your shady offshore account, then the most you should bet on any one game is $10, unless you have a very high level of confidence. This keeps you from going broke and blowing your wad on the first weekend and then struggling to pay rent or empty out other accounts to gamble on the next round or be a normal person and just watch some football without money involved. But who wants to do that? All right, let's start at the top. North Dakota State, they're 28-point favorites at home versus Nichols. That's a stay away for me. James Madison, 28-point favorites at home versus Monmouth. Some people are talking about Monmouth, but here we go. Monmouth was 22-point, 23-point dogs at the Grizz. JMU's a little better than the Grizz. Why are we so excited about this 28-point line? I'm staying away. Bet one unit at most on Monmouth if you like that line. Northern Iowa at SDSU. South Dakota State, they're nine-point favorites. I like the under in this one at 39.5. These low unders usually mean they can't go low enough. I really could see a 30-point game in this one. Bet the under in this game. Illinois State at Central Arkansas. Now we got a game that I like to bet. It's one of those overreaction lines. Illinois State won big at SEMO. Now they're slightly favored on the road at the purple and gray Pajama Pants Stadium in Central Arkansas. The field's atrocious, but Central Arkansas wins this one. Bet two units on Central Arkansas at plus one. Austin P at Sac State. I think that's how you say it. They're 13-point dogs. Sac State, I think they come out strong. I don't know about the 13-point line. I'm staying away. Next, we go to Kennesaw State at Weber. That is a 12-and-a-half-point line. Weber's the favorite. I'm staying away. Kennesaw State feels like they're getting the raw end of the deal on these lines. They're undervalued. They won a huge game last week. I'm staying away. All right, now let's move on to the games we really care about. Let's start in Missoula, where the Grizzlies are 12-and-a-half-point favorites against SLU. Do not say C-Law or anything else. It's SLU. Now, the Grizz are hungry for a home playoff game. It's been a while. They should win this one. I'm leaning towards... Betting Montana, minus 12 and a half, but I would not put more than a unit on it. Montana State, they host Albany, where Montana State. You know what? In Bozeman, the run game has not gone the way of the dinosaur. The Bobcats will look to control the clock, and they should win this one. Will they win by 10 or more? I don't know. I'm staying away from this one. But you know what might work is a little Grizz Bobcat teaser. Let's adjust those lines down by six points each. That means each team only has to win at home by less than a touchdown. I really like those odds. You get even money on that on a lot of offshore books. Put two units on that. And then 
next week. An all Big Sky quarterfinal. It almost seems too big to be true. Which of these four teams, Sac State, Weber State, Montana State, or Montana lets us down? I don't know. It's possible. Find a money line in there that you like to bet and you know pick that needle out of the haystack. Let's come back next week with some minties to double down. Good luck to all you gamblers out there. I'm Montana Parlay. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to me to go over everything. They say the time's supposed to heal you, but I ain't done much healing. Hello, can you hear me? I'm in California dreaming about who we used to be when we were younger and free. I've forgotten how it felt before the world fell at our feet. There's such a difference between us and a million miles. Hello from the